This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm excited today, uh, excited about the, uh, the holidays, Thanksgiving uh, coming up this week, and Christmas just a month away. And in our family, uh, Roxanne and I have uh, begun a tradition in the last 20 years that we lived here in Springfield, came back here after college, uh, of a tradition where we have everybody from Roxanne's clan, the extended family, come down uh, to Springfield. They're invited to Springfield from St. Louis, and they join us for Thanksgiving. And it's a great time. Yeah, there's the cast of characters, kind of shy. Um, We have a great time, four generations around the table. It's a lot of fun. And as a kid, I celebrated Thanksgiving uh, with my uh, grandparents across the river from St. Louis in Alton, Illinois. And uh, we had a great time there, too. The house was packed, packed with family, family and friends. And one of my earliest memories in life really comes from that time. And I remember sitting on my great-grandfather's lap when I was about four or five, and he was in his 90s. And I remember, well, one of the things I really remember is that big white mustache. There he is with his daughters, but that mustache seemed huge. But he was a, he was a really neat guy. His legacy was that he was the patriarch of the family, held the family together, and he was kind, and he was gentle, and he was a really, really good gardener. Well, God has has wired me to to be interested in family and ancestors and to to research uh, the stories of the people uh, that I am to be grateful to, who have brought me to this very place and time, to ask the questions like, uh, where do I come from, and, and who are my people, so to speak? And what are their stories? What are these stories, these real lives, real people? Well, if, you, if anybody does ancestry work here, and I've begun doing that in, in recent years, uh, going on Ancestry.com, and another website called Find a Grave. Does anybody do that out here? Is you, are you interested? No, I guess I'm just weird like that. So. Uh, but uh, um, it's really fascinating. Um, you can find out all kinds of stuff about your family. You can find out the stories of the people in your family. Um, I found uh, my four grandparents, I found their stories, their, all the folks that lead back before the time they came to America. And it's really been a fascinating journey. And I think one of the most amazing stories is of a guy named John Howland who was born in England around 1600. He was a Puritan, so a man of faith. He was a pilgrim, and he jumped on a ship called the Mayflower, and he came to America, and he landed at Plymouth, and he was at the first Thanksgiving. Real life, real story. But I think the most amazing part of his story is, is a little bit more than that, and that is that he fell overboard in a storm in the Atlantic, and another pilgrim threw him a rope, a lifeline, and saved him. And I am grateful to the other pilgrim that saved my great-grandfather times 10 or so, uh, a, a young man of faith who came here to begin a story of a life that has transcended generations. Well, today our, our scripture is, comes from Colossians. Adam uh, referenced Colossians. Uh, it's Paul's letter to the church in a small house church in a relatively uh, medium-sized community in present-day Turkey. And Paul writes this letter from jail in Rome in about A.D. 62. And he's writing to, the, to this community of faith, this young community of faith, to remind them of who they belong to and what their identity is 
and their primary relationship is with Jesus Christ. So hear these words from the message from Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to actually begin, it's 12 through 17 verses, but I'm going to begin at the very end of 11, and we don't have that on the screen, but it says this. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of your house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God, just like we did. Let every detail in your lives, words and actions and whatever, be done in the name of the master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. So Paul writes to this church again to remind them that their primary relationship in life beyond family is with Jesus Christ. He reminds them of the importance to be grateful, to have a disposition of thankfulness to the source, capital S, who is Jesus Christ. He reminds them it's important to, to look to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit for direction and wisdom in our lives. And then he, he writes to them throughout this, this book to remind them of what is most important. Because in our human condition, I, I guess, we want to add things to Jesus and we, we, we tend to get off track. And Paul reminds them, he corrects them that, that the most important thing, is our, again, is our relationship with Jesus. Because the church begins to think that knowledge and intellectualism trumps faith or worshiping angels or legalism, following rules, is the most important thing. And lastly, it is that they, they think that this extreme self-denial, this asceticism, if they deny themselves enough, that they'll demonstrate some real religiosity. And Paul says, no, that's not it. It's about the way of the master, Jesus Christ. He says, people will know that you know Jesus, that you follow Jesus when you do these things. You live out your faith with compassion and kindness and humility and quiet strength and patience and always dependent on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Again, we're defined by thankfulness and gratitude. We're, we're to cultivate this gratitude. And so to cultivate, we know that's a, an agrarian term. Uh, to cultivate is to grow. And to grow is to practice and to do something. And so it's about this, this working to be thankful, and to become more and more with gratitude. To be thankful is to really acknowledge that you're not the center of the universe, that we're not, and he's telling the church there, and it's this other-centered worldview. And to be appreciative is to recognize that something comes from somewhere else, from another person, or in this case, comes from God, the grace in our lives. 
He's, Paul's reminding the church to be dependent upon God for the good gifts that God has given us in the past, is giving us now, and will give us in the future. Now, I'm privileged to know many of you and your stories, and it, and it is a great privilege. And to know that is, that is to know that many of us are, are really grateful for, to God for experiences in our lives and other things like friends. Well, one of the most influential experiences in my life has come from a ministry here at Schweitzer that we call Stephen Ministry. And Stephen Ministry is a ministry of trained lay people like you who come alongside other people and care for them. And they, they care for people who are going through really tough times in life, like the loss of a loved one, somebody really close to you. Or they're going through a divorce or a loss of a job, and, and I could go on. Stephen ministers are trained to be confidants. You can tell them anything, and they're confidential. They're faithful, and they're dependable, and they pray with and for you. And I think one of the real keys, too, is they'll stay with you They'll stay with you as long as the process of healing requires. Stephen ministry operates under the clear understanding that God is the healer, God is the cure giver, and that we're not here to fix people. So years ago, before, before becoming a pastor, I was trained to be a, a Stephen minister. It was out of this deep encounter that I had had with Christ that, that Christ healed uh, my emptiness and brokenness, that I was compelled to serve other people, my gratitude moved me to action. And although I was trained, I was really pretty new to the faith. And so, you know, I, I became fully dependent on God to enter into situations with people that I had no control over and no agenda. And if you think about it, that's pretty rare in life to not have, want to have control over a situation or enter into a relationship with no agenda. So enter a guy named Mark Bolt. Mark was going through a really tough time, a divorce. And I was assigned to care for Mark, and, and I did that. But little did I know what God had planned for myself and Mark in the process. Well, I did care for Mark, spent time with Mark, and prayed with Mark for over three years. I realized God had given me a powerful, transformational gift in Mark Bolt. You see, Mark showed me a lot of things. First of all, he showed me what it's like to be vulnerable to be open, to be open to healing, to be open to, to talking about what's on our mind. He taught me what it's like to be raw and honest with God and the real situations of life. He taught me what it's like to surrender to God's grace, to surrender in this life and to move on to a, a new thing that God has for us. And he taught me how to pray in public, which I really hadn't done before. And and that's kind of an interesting story, if not a little bit funny, and it kind of goes like this. Mark and I would meet uh, weekly at Panera's across the street uh, for an hour. That's what we would do. And so at the end of each hour there, I'd say, Mark, you want to pray? You know, you want to pray together? And he, sure, let's pray. So, but this is early on. So um, he says, sure, let's pray. And I said, okay. In my mind, this is how this is going to go. We're gonna, I'm going to pray quietly and inconspicuously because, you know, this is a crowded restaurant, you know. And, and I'm thinking, okay, that's how that's going to go, so let's start to pray. And so I kind of get, you know, if you've seen Seinfeld, like low talking, you know, I'm thinking it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to just be kind of quiet here. And, and so I, I, uh, I start to, you know, pray 
I think I'm going to pray. And then somebody grabs my hands, and it's Mark. And he pulls him across to the middle of the table. And I'm thinking, that's interesting. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, I'm, and then I'm thinking, okay, we got this. And then I'm going to pray, and then Mark starts praying. And he's not really quiet. Now, he's not screaming or anything, but, I mean, he's not quiet. And, again, I told you the restaurant's crowded, right? And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, uh, God, what's going on here? Uh, this wasn't the plan of the vision. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God's telling me, Jim, you're not in control, remember? And I'm thinking, that's right, I'm not in control. And God, or Mark was prompted by the gift of the Holy Spirit to pray what was on his, what was on his mind and for us. And that was the one of many times that we prayed like that um, at Panera's. And the people kind of got used to us over there, and we, we were in our booth the other day again as we reconnected. See, Mark, uh, he was a great gift to me. And what he doesn't know is that when we would uh, meet, I'd get to the parking lot early, and I would pray in the parking lot, and I'd say, well, well the other thing I forgot to tell you was he knew, he knew the Scriptures way better than me. I, I mentioned that I was just early to the faith. And I'd sit in the parking lot and go, God, help me because Mark's going to ask me questions about the scriptures that I don't know. I don't know the answers. And I'd say, God, help me, help me be with us in this pain and, and just help us to, uh, to journey together in a way that can foster the process of healing. It was, uh, it was quite a journey with Mark. I had to remember... And God would remind me in the parking lot that, you know, it's simply enough many times to be dependable and faithful, to show up and to simply pray and to care. And it's okay to not have the answers to the questions. And just for the time being, the questions can be enough. And also, God really taught me that, you know, it's okay to have these awkward long periods of silence because God is in them. And God will work. And then I would find myself praying too. I'd say, God, thank you for Mark Bolt. Because this guy has real faith. He believes in you. He trusts you. And he will not give up on you. And even though Mark may have been confused or angry or, or disappointed, God, he has not given up on you. And I would pray, God, Mark inspires me. In this experience, paradoxical, in this experience, Mark inspires me to go deeper with you and deeper in caring for other people. So the years passed. It was over three years, and uh, God worked in Mar Mark's life, and the relationship of Stephen ministry was no longer needed, and we became friends, although we were friends before that in the process. It's a real life, and it's a real story, and it's an important one for me. God is in him. And now I, I want to take a moment to introduce you to Mark. Mark is here today. And he's going to share a bit from his experience um, to what it's like to be uh, in an encounter with God. So, Mark, if, if you join us. Wow. So what I can say, uh, I listened to Jim's sermon the first service, and uh, 
I was totally blown away then, and I'm even more so this time. But I might add that you look like you're dressed down a little bit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So, so, so and you're I, not. I, and I apologize for my dress. I'm <laughs> here today. I would like to say that I'm uh, really, truly grateful for the opportunity uh, to speak to you uh, today, especially on this day of expressing uh, gratitude. I think all too often Thanksgiving is passed over a victim of a rush to Christmas. It is so good to be back at uh, Schweitzer. I always have a special place in my heart for Schweitzer in my nearly 20 years of worship, service, and ultimately being served through the Stephen ministry. I started here with Clayton Smith, and then Jim Bryan, and last but certainly not least, Bob Cassidy and Lori Lampert. I am eternally grateful for Lori to have the vision to start a Stephen ministry at Schweitzer and sending me Jim Mason. I have to say I was totally blown away when I got a letter from Jim about a month ago telling me an incredible, almost unbelievable story of his faith played out in part through me. I shouldn't be surprised at this as God has been full of surprises in my life. When Jim came to me, I was a broken man dealing with a shattered marriage and asking the tough questions of why is God allowing this to happen? After all, God hates divorce. I was Jim's first case, but he seemed to be a seasoned pro. I found him to be very empathetic, sticking with me week after week for nearly three years. As Jim mentioned previously, that oftentimes we that oftentimes we, we uh, care more about knowledge than we, uh, that knowledge trumps faith. But I believe the opposite at true, is true. At that time of my life, I could care less if Jim knew any scripture. What I did care about is someone sitting with me an hour every week and just listening and caring. Jim being silent and listening was not only okay, it was exactly what I needed. At the conclusion of my time with Jim, God spoke to me in a very special way. I had brought an article from a Christian magazine to one of our meetings about making difficult decisions. And the basic conclusion was, as Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but your will. I knew then that God was telling me your marriage is over and I have other plans for you. After my divorce, I'd clung to the verse in Joel 2, 25 to 26. I will uh, make up to you for the years devoured by grown locusts and hopper. You will eat, your, eat to your heart's content and praise the name of Yahweh, your God, who has treated you so wonderfully. Interestingly, my first wife had the same verse in mind after her divorce. I am happy to say that God brought her to me in a miraculous manner. We have been married for nearly seven years and the miracles are too numerous to mention, not only in our lives, but in our blended family. We can show our gratitude to God, uh, as Jim mentioned, by serving others. And I have had the privilege to serve as a Stephen minister. God indeed has restored. Bob, I know you're very disappointed about the Cardinals this year, but I know that they will be restored to the rightful position as world champions. 
Jim, I want to thank you so much for walking with me during these dark days of my life. I am forever grateful for you. I thank you for coming today, and God bless you all. All right, thanks, Mark. Um, I want to th thank Mark because the real hero in this story is God, the God that was with us uh, through this process. And we have to also acknowledge that there are seasons in life. It's easy for me to say today that be thankful and be grateful, but there are seasons of life where that can be really hard and requires hard spiritual work. Um, as Paul said, we can cultivate thankfulness. And just with a seed of feeling thankful or being thankful, God can grow that in amazing ways, in amazing ways. And St. Ignatius, who was a, a, a saint and, and still a saint, but in the Catholic tradition about four or 500 years ago, developed a, a process that helps us um, become thankful. And I'm going to go through that with us at the end in our prayer time. And it's a gift. But today I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that, that guy who fell overboard, um, you know, and was thrown a rope and got back on the ship and, and legacy happens. I'm thankful for God who uses wounded healers. I'm thankful for Mark Bolt who taught me so much. And I'm thankfully mostly for Jesus Christ who sat with us at that table for over three years. And if we wonder if, uh, if we wonder if gratitude pleases God, let's look at the story of, the, uh, of Jesus in Luke uh, chapter 17. And Jesus is traveling from, uh, well, from Jerusalem back to Galilee, or vice versa, I don't remember which. But, and, and to go there, this time he chose to go through Samaria, which is the in-between land, and, and or not Jewish uh, people there, but foreigners. He's traveling through there, and the, um, there are ten lepers. And they holler out to Jesus, and they say, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus sees them and says, go and show yourself to the priest. And so they, they go. And on their way, they're cleansed. They're cleansed. But only one of them turns around and runs back to Jesus and falls before Jesus and says, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm grateful. All glory be to God. And Jesus says, and the Samaritan and the other people gathered there in the village, hear Jesus say, weren't there, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? Was none of them found to return and praise me except for this foreigner, the Samaritan? And so we know from this story that gratitude pleases God, and the absence of it brings God sorrow. And so now what I'd like to do is invite us to uh, pray the prayer of examine, and um, I'll just talk about it briefly, and then we'll enter into it. So the prayer of examine is a method. It takes about 15 minutes a day, or what I would practice, and I would encourage you to do. And I would encourage us to do it this week, prior to Thanksgiving. And first of all, you simply, uh, and it's on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow. I see some of you have that. Take a look at that. Use it as a tool. First, you express gratitude for the smallest of blessings or the biggest. Could be anything to get you in the process. And then you review the 24 hours before that and thank God for where you felt God's presence or even where you may have uh, not felt God's presence in a way that you kind of resisted God, because that's important. And then also um, is to uh, 
is to acknowledge any sorrow that we have. What are we sorry for? Go ahead and acknowledge that before God and then ask for forgiveness and or healing, which is important, and then ask God for grace. Grace for the next 24 hours and for the days ahead. And so now let's, uh, before we close worship today, let's, uh, let's pray the prayer of examine, and I'll, I'll lead us in it. I just invite you to open up your hands and, and uh, put them in front of you and have your palms up and a gesture of receptivity to God as we pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer and the conversation. And now we, we come to you uh, knowing that uh, you are with us. And we begin by just confessing, uh, acknowledging the simplest of blessings in our lives, the simplest of blessings. God, we thank you. We thank you for, for those blessings, big and small. Now, God, help us to recall the last 24 hours where we felt your presence. Maybe it was in a smile, in a word, in a ray of sunshine. And help us to recall where we might have resisted you in an opportunity, the place we might have had more courage, more compassion. Lord, we confess for the things that we have done that we are sorry for, that bring you sorrow. We name those in our hearts, the things we have done or failed to do. Now, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, and we know that your forgiveness cleanses us like those lepers. Cleanse us, Lord, through your forgiveness. We ask for it. Now, Lord, we, we pray for your overpowering grace, unearned, unmerited. We can't earn this love that overpowers us. Give us the grace that we need for the next 24 hours and for the days ahead as we honor you and praise you. Amen. And now I leave you with another word of encouragement from an old guy, a saint from the 14th century, Master Eichert. And that is that the only prayer you ever say in your life is thank you, is thank you. It will be enough. Amen.